L.A. poet, novelist Rich Ferguson, and you are listening to Poet Escape. Today I am extremely honored to be speaking with writer Mark Z. Danielewski. How are you, Mark? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being on the show. Mark Z. Danielewski is the author of the award-winning best-selling novel House of Leaves, also the National Book Award finalist, Only Revolutions, the novella, The Fifty-Year Sword, and now the stunning multi-sensory genre-busting series, The Familiar. Mark, why don't we jump right in here, uh, talk about your most recent work, The Familiar. If you could, why don't you uh, tell our listeners about the series, give them a little background with what you've covered with volumes one through three, and uh, bring them up to speed with volume four, Hades. You got it. Uh... This was a project that began um, in 2006 as I was finishing Only Revolutions. And it was, it was a, definitely a labor of love. Uh, filled all my days, all my nights. And uh, as I began to sort of see this, this huge adventure uh, begin to take place in the form of a, of a series which in many ways is um, is like a television series in that it's comprised of five seasons. Each uh, season is five volumes long. Uh, the last season has a little extra. And um, volume four of season one has just come out as of yesterday, officially. And uh, tomorrow I will be um, submitting a draft of, of, uh, for copy editing of volume five, the finale, which will be released in October. Um, it's, uh, it's about a young girl who finds a little kitten, um, but this kitten has um, all sorts of effects on, on her, as well as her family, as well as we begin to see um, uh, an array of characters um, who we, uh, who we, you know, we get to uh, view sort of through their through their eyes in a way, um, and so in in many ways the series is is very particular, and the and the series is 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 far reaching and and, and global, I guess. Um, but as much as it's as it's about the sort of details that unfold in Los Angeles, whether it be in a small household in Echo Park or the Latino crew that's running, you know, around sort of um, East LA or in Singapore or on the East Coast. It's also, you know, a commitment to 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 the larger arcs of storytelling, and and I think the greater commitment to to reading. And uh, the exciting thing for me now is to see those, you know, and hear back from readers who are who are waiting for. For Hades to arrive at their doorstep, and um, and seeing that this kind of project can work, that there are, you know, intermediate, advanced readers out there that are that are committed to be to becoming stronger readers, and who are committed to larger projects and more complex thought, and also with the understanding that the this kind of um, investment in in time and energy is um, repaid with a with a greater, you know, kind of of um, 
of, oh my, so many words, entertainment, a greater kind of uh, sort of vibrancy of thought or whatnot. So, so the adventure that the Abrahams are experiencing with their, their daughter and the little kitten is also sort of enacted by the readers themselves as they, as they resuscitate this poor creature and watch its animality begin to grow into to a much greater creature. Yeah, you know, you were talking about your readers, and as I was reading The Familiar, as I, you know, thinking about some of your past works, people talk about how attention spans are shrinking, yet your work on so many levels <laughs> defies that, or at least it challenges your readers to... to have the opposite of a shrinking attention span, to have this uh, blossoming of attention span, to have a great curiosity. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little about your readers, like the people you've met on tour, the people you get notes from. Um, what is a Mark Danielewski reader like, and uh, what is it about your work that they find so compelling? Well, I think they are, without a doubt, uh, all of them very intelligent, very, very curious. Um, they have big engines, and uh, they come from from all all corners, all pathways, all coves. Um, and I think I think they're. I think it. One thing is clear is that. You know, the, the familiar is participating with such a reader, but the part the familiar is is certainly not creating such a reader. I, I think the terrible thing that's happened recently is that that the notion of sort of of the reader has been kind of glossed over until it's sort of created a sense that all readers are created equal, all readers have shorter attention spans. All readers aren't up for long form fiction or or dense, complex poetry. And that's just not true. You know, that's that's really sort of the fake news of our of our day. They're actually very committed, strong, agile, funny, provocative readers out there. And 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 they want fiction that will you know enable those stronger muscles of their imagination to work so that they can participate in a world where they can um imagine it different differently and invent it differently so that it actually can enact real change and yes you heard me correctly i believe that fiction and poetry um are the means to bringing about change in the world here here i I totally back you on that one. Earlier you were talking about the familiar, how it's unfolding, like a television series, like The Wire. You know, I've also heard you talk about how House of Leaves was inspired by film, Only Revolutions, music. I'm wondering if you could talk a little about those inspirations and, and how those things inform your work. Uh Yes, with pleasure. Um, the House of Leaves is is you know literally about a a movie, uh, but at the same time it 
it enacts many aspects of of filmmaking. And uh, this was, I know, largely influenced by my interest in film, by the fact that my father was a filmmaker, um, and by you know an early, I guess, def defiance to to um, to continue to to look at words as images and and kind of float between the sort of the 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 sonic side of, of text as well as the visual side so that that um, so that those visual elements would could be present in House of Leaves and 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 House of Leaves you know uses a lot of sort of the more formal techniques of a filmmaker um, ways in which to sort of slow down uh, the reader's experience or, or an audience's experience as well as, as, as energizing it by putting just a few words on a page and, and allowing the reader to suddenly move through a, a, you know, a great portion of the book very quickly. And that, that creates and that, that energizes, um, that experience. Uh, and that's something that's very present in the familiar as well. The, the, the house of leaves is, is, is very, is very centripetal. It's, it's a, it's a it's designed to bring you deeper and deeper into the text itself and that was a that was a thrilling thing to write a terrifying thing to write um, but the terrors of, of writing it uh, couldn't compare to sort of the terrors I witnessed firsthand of seeing sort of re readers get subsumed so much in the text that they they began to neglect the world around them they, they, began to like themselves. And so Only Revolutions, which is which is very much about music, was a, was a centrifugal book. Like it, it cannot be read if you're not willing to step outside of your own ego, outside of the book itself. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's the world which surrounds uh, Only Revolutions that enables you to hear it. Uh, but it's also, for that reason, very, very complicated. Um, and it's, it's definitely for advanced readers only. Uh, and then after that book, I really, you know, I, I, I had a lot of fun of writing, a, you know, the small novella, The Fifty-Year Sword, as you mentioned, which, which basically is a, is a campfire story. It looks at the oral tradition of multiple narrators and, um, and, and, and sort of begins to look at that question of, of, is this really just one story told by one person or are these stories really a collection of voices and are those voices for the most part anonymous sort of, you know, their, their identities wiped clean by history. And, um, in many ways, the familiar brings all of these, you know, experiences, adventures, techniques, um, understandings to bear on, on this kind of, you know, larger canvas of, you know, multicultural integration, uh, with it, it's with, with the environment and, and, and the animal at the very center. And, and what I mean by, by animal and environment is really that which has no voice, that, that which will never have a human voice. Um, and yet, which we constantly, uh, abuse because it, it, it has acquired a different syntax and one that we are refusing or some people are refusing to, to hear. Yeah. Earlier you were talking about 
music with only revolutions and with the idea of music I think of of your sister the amazing uh, singer-songwriter Poe and I know that when you right around the time you were creating House of Leaves, I believe she was creating uh, The Haunted around that time. And some of your there was sort of a back and forth as far as inspiring one another. Uh, I was hoping you could talk about that process, how it worked back and forth for the two of you and forming one another. Yeah, that was just an extraordinary experience, just rare and and wonderful. Um, and it's uh it's an experience that only sort of appreciates in value as I, as I look back on it. Uh, you know, at the time she was working on Haunted and I was, you know, writing House of Leaves. And so I would share with her chapters and it would influence some of the music that she wrote. And she would give me tracks and they would, inf you know, influence House of Leaves. And, you know, one of the things I occasionally hear is that Haunted is a house is a soundtrack to House of Leaves, which is not true at all. Um, Haunted and House of Leaves are very much like the the Escher Escher drawing of the two hands that are, are drawing each other. Um, you know, one, one, you know, one could not have existed without the other. They were so sort of they were interplaying with one another, kind of a playfulness, a back and forth, you know, sort of juggling echoes and 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 inspirations and uh it was just you know a really magical um experience and you know my sister has is the real genius of the family she just has such incredible you know insight and imagination and and uh and just you know helped you know bring house of leaves to to life and to light and um you know, I think it was one of those things that when it happened, it was so obvious that uh, we both assumed to a certain degree that it would continue to happen. You know, that she would her her next, you know, CD would would somehow influence and shape only revolutions and vice versa. Uh, and then we could coordinate, you know, tours and releases and all of that stuff. But, you know, the universe doesn't always align perfectly in that way. And, you know, and she has her own process and I have my own process. And, you know, maybe one day we'll 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 do a, another project that will be, you know, similarly conceived and carried out. Um, but at present, it's just I, I realize when I look back at it, just how lucky we were that all the stars aligned for that moment. And uh, and we could put out this um, this collective project together. Yeah, you know, uh, speaking of Poe, uh, something that she did a while ago, and she was uh, extremely successful with with it, was that, um, you know, she created an online community of fans, her website, fan sites, uh, really helped to support her, uh, her early in her career. In a way, it kind of predated uh, modern social networking platforms, were among the first of their kind. And you also, um, it seems like to some degree or another that, that you've been inspired by online communities um, with, with House of Leaves, Only Revolutions, which to me begs the question, um, what would you say what role technology either plays in your work or, uh, you know, either in the work itself or in how you create your work? 
Hmm. Good question. Uh, I think certainly um, an accurate question. Uh, House of Leaves was one of the first books that was published online, actually, even before it had a publisher. Uh, and that, even though it wasn't some runaway success, there were enough people who were reading it um, who came from just completely different backgrounds that when it was finally, you know, uh, published by Pantheon, they took very seriously, you know, this kind of uh, web uh, demographics, I guess. I mean, we're talking dial-up modems back in, you know, the 90s. Uh, <laughs> PDFs were incredibly difficult to create. I mean, to create the PDF for House of Leaves, it took, basically there was a guy working in an ad agency and he let me use one of the bigger computers there to output the PDF that took I think one or two nights, you know, and then it was, it was very, you know, it was, it, it, it was a lot, it, a lot, it was heavy in memory. So it was difficult to distribute, but we ended up doing it anyway. And it, and, and there were definitely some very cool, interested readers and, you know, Pantheon had seen it as, you know, at first as just something that would, would be marketed basically to college students. And, they didn't realize that it, there were younger people reading it, older people, and that it really just it was a it was a much had a much wider audience, and so they altered their publishing plan. But in 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 deference to its origins, the very first day that it was on sale, they also um, published it online as well. I think it was it was the company iUniverse, and we sort of used a kind of a flash. Um, I think it was a sort of a, a flash file or something where it just kind of briefly <laughs> appeared and you could read it because they were they were terrified as well of piracy and whatnot. Um, but, you know, in terms of, of social media and interconnectivity with readers, uh, that's always played an important role. The familiar is even more exciting in that sense because I've already um, gone on three tours um, and have, have through Reddit and forums and social media platforms have been able to sort of hear from readers what excites them, what they're interested in, what, you know, what's problematic. And all of that begins to have an influence on the future of the familiar, like where will it go? It's not that, that, that it alters the, the narrative structure itself, um, but it begins to sort of sort of bend in on it, I, I guess, like a very sort of strong, consistent current or, or wind. It begins to sort of shape where, how, how it will grow. Um, and even though I know what the ending of the familiar is, if I, if I'm lucky enough to reach volume 27, uh, I'm also open to the fact that this kind of back and forth with readers, um, could, could result in a very different ending. Um, but that's only one aspect of, of technology, right? It's how we communicate with others. Uh, I also utilize, um, whatever is available to help me to typeset the, the book and to, um, research the book and to, you know, in, um, include other young artists, um, by young, I mean young at heart. Uh, who, you know, who, who participated in, 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 in the various visual elements of, of the familiar. 
so that's always exciting. Um, but at the same time, it's sort of a cautionary note. A lot of a lot of the work first starts with just a a, a, a pencil and a piece of paper because I don't want the technology to be instructing me on how I should have friend friendships or how I should interact with readers or how I should, um, you know, typeset my book, you know? So I, it's really first about conceiving it as much as I can outside of all technology and then using technology to achieve those aims. Nice. You know, speaking of, of how the familiar is growing, changing its future, you know, because, because what you've published so far is so weighty and I when I say weighty I mean just weighty both just in its its thoughts and and details but you know even physically weighty um, and because it's such a long-haul process with many more volumes to come are there any particular steps that you are taking to preserve the information so that it can be viewed in different ways in the future well, it is it is available on Kindle and um, uh, Apple formats, uh, iPads, iPhones. It's uh, it's definitely well. It's interesting, right? Because the technology itself isn't quite as agile as as we'd like it to. It's sort of like if 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 we if we if we published it electronically using the standards that Kindle or Apple prefers, then all of the visual information would be wiped out. It would be one font, typesetting wouldn't matter, etc. And that's already an interesting problem, right? Because what it asks is how important are those changes? Now, I've pretty much staked my career on the fact that I think font changes matter, how something's typeset is matter, this, the interplay between, between text and visuals matter. And, um, and certainly Kindle and, and iPad, and I'm not sure about Nook or some of the other platforms, can accommodate you know, these visual representations of the book. So you, know, you can actually see page for page what the familiar looks like, but you're basically looking just at images of the pages. Um, we did do uh, a electronic book for Only Revolutions, which had to ultimately move away from the Sam story on one side of the book and Haley's side on the other. And instead we put them parallel to one another. So it's a different reading experience than the book. Um, but at the same time, it was wonderful because we could include music. We could include, you know, over 300 road signs to help readers, um, especially intermediate readers kind of move through that text. So there's great sort of opportunities for it. And I would say that that's also available, uh, for the familiar in a different incarnation would be, you know, a much closer look at, at to how, you know, the various volumes connect with one another, the various character perspectives that are, are, are presented. Uh, there could be music, there could be sort of, um, you know, moving visual elements, but that in itself is a huge project. And, you know, at present, I don't have time for that, but you know, you never know, maybe out of, 
out of the readers of the familiar, there'll be someone who is who is very talented in that medium and recognized is like a young director and a young um, you know art form that they could actually be the one to realize this in its in its sort of electronic shape form. Yeah, well, along those lines, you know, when I was sort of thinking like, you know, because your work, you know, with, with the, the font, the design, the color coding and all these things and, it, you know, the depth and the imagination. And I was just thinking like, how, you know, would, would Mark Danielewski like, or, or, you know, someone that you would trust to do this, turn this into a film, you know, cause it seems like a straight interpretation would almost, um, be short selling your work. And I'm curious if you off the top of your head or whatever, have any thoughts on if the familiar or, or one of your other works were to be turned into a film, what would be some things that would kind of hold true to the spirit of your work? If you were to see it visually on a screen? Well, one of the things, well, one of the things I've said for many, many years is that 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 none of my works are for sale. And, you know, like the house and house of leaves, it's just the film rights are just not for sale, not available. Uh, but that said, it was, you know, it was certainly a, a concept of a fiery younger man. And um, and I, you know, I became, I guess, more uncomfortable with that kind of declaration. Um but at the same time, I sort of had to analyze it and kind of, kind of sort of say, well, what was, what am I saying? What, what am I, what, what's really my resistance there? You know, and part of it's probably neurotic. It's control. I want to, you know, I want to be the one to um, visualize this. I did it once. I can do it again. Uh, but that's, that's a whole lot of ego about, a, you know, a craft and art that I am, you know, not equipped to suddenly become um, you know, a, a producer of, and so I still say no to studios when they approach me for, and they're interested in the work, but I'm, my door is open to meeting with qualified artists who want, who are serious about bringing any of my works to the screen. And I'm, what I mean by qualified is that I, I value the works enough that it's there that, and they, they were risky enough in their own creation that I'm not going to just risk uh, the production of one of these books on someone who has not created even one film yet. Right. So it's, it's sort of like, you know, go, go make some great films. And if you're still interested, you know, let's sit down and, you know, have a bite to eat. And then I, you know, I'd like to hear what your, your views are on, on the book, you know? And, and so, I mean, that's sort of a long meandering way of getting it at a shorter answer, which is, which is I am now in a place in my life where I am open to, to what another powerful, um, you know, passionate driven artist would have to say about, about, you know, bringing, bringing any of my books into a different art form. Yeah. You know, so much of your work, whether it's the familiar or um, really just 
pretty much all your works, it's a lot of it, it's about letting walls dissolve, witnessing uh, so many aspects of life, you know, not just in your characters, but opening windows and into really other ideas, you know, computer code, you know, weather and all these things, you know, and take that, that opening, that expansiveness and holding that up against the current climate of building walls, closing minds and curious if you have any thoughts about that and how do you approach those types of obstacles as a writer as a human that's a beautiful question and and thank you for applying that to the familiar i mean the familiar is is very much about finding the porosity in in our in our walls in our limits in our languages you know and and realizing that that we can find you know a greater connectivity with others around us, including this fragile world that we, we live in. Um, and I think, uh, I don't even know how to really answer your question. I mean, it's, it is, it is the question of the day. I mean, my book aside, um, but I think, you know, I think, I guess this is a sort of a sideways answer, but I would say that, that, that for any artist, how you live, is just as important as the actual task of, of, of bringing your creation to life, whether that's standing in front of the canvas or sitting at a keyboard or, you know, playing your instrument that, you know, it, that you can't begin to like acquire, say, openness through your text if you're not practicing it in life. And that's hard. Um, but the familiar certainly is about that. There's a lot about it that's very, that's strange to me. And in order for me to write about it in a familiar way, I had to take, for example, many, many cab rides with our with Armenian drivers, and, you know, talk to them and, you know, interview, you know, Turkish, you know, people of Turkish descent, uh, uh detectives, you know, go to Singapore, um, acquire, you know, old Singlish dictionaries, you know, talk to people who are, are using Singlish. Uh, even last night I saw, you know, one of the guys who's helped me out um, with all the programming and the coding. And so there's a great deal of, of conversation and interaction um, that produces tiny little bits that ultimately make it into the, into the familiar, but it, it, it has a, you know, a, a, an enormous influence on me. You know, even um, Anwar's, you know, Arabic is Egyptian Arabic. So it's, you know, there, there are ways of sort of, one has to look very carefully at, at the kind of speech that he's invoking and what that means in this, um, in our present day. And, and the whole point is, is to have a book that you can read enjoy, especially as it accelerates, as, as the volumes um, grow, uh, but at the same time begins to f familiarize yourself, uh, familiarize the reader with the strangeness of our world, which then we learn in a larger sen sense is, is familiar and can be wonderfully familiar in that, in that way. Um, how's that for not answering your question? No, it's, it's, be it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, in a way, the, uh, the familiar, it, it almost seems like a, 
a love song of sorts to Los Angeles. And I would be curious to hear if you've approached it that way to, to any degree and, and what that might be about. Yeah, I think I, absolutely. It's, um, it is, you know, I've always said, you know, write what you love. Um, because in order, to, in order to love something, you have to know something. And, you know, I love the city and, um, I love its creative energies. I love the people that, that, that live here, that pass through it, that dream about it, that get fed up with it. Um, and I, you know, I think as anyone knows who's, you know, especially as you get older and you begin to interrogate these ideas of, of passage and city and community and whatnot, you realize that, that these, that there is a kind of city that, 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 that is to be found all over the world, you know, and it's, it's those sensibilities that you find with um, friends and strangers. And, and so, um, you know, so, so my investment is, is in, you know, exploring new places within this city, but also in this world, uh, you know, even something as simple as a book tour, right? You know, I mean, typically if you're coming out with a new book, they're going to send you to those cities where you do well. And they generally are the cities that you'd expect, like, New York, Boston, Chicago, Los Angeles, and whatnot. But for this book, I realized, you know, I, I, it, I don't want to keep going to the same cities, and we really need to start making an effort to get outside of our little comfortable bubbles. And so for the tour for Volume 4, I'm going to, you know, all the red states, basically. I'm going to Utah, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, Pennsylvania, Florida, um, Tennessee, yeah, that actually, when I was going through some of the uh, materials for this book, that was actually one of the, the things that, that really struck me about this current tour. Because I expected to see places like Mark will be performing in L.A. at this venue or New York. And, and it's exactly right. It's the places you're talking about. Right. You've got you to gotta get out there. You know, you've got you gotta, you to gotta meet new people and, and hear what ideas are going on over there. What kind of, you know what kind of difficulties they're facing, you know, not just, just read about it on some, you know, some website that has spurious news sources, you know? So that's been really thrilling. And I mean, one thing, if we could just get the word out in terms of book tours, I do, I do have, <laughs> there's always someone who says, come to Denver. And I was, you know, come to Colorado. And I was like, I've been in Colorado or come to Chicago. Yeah, we did Chicago. I mean, if you're a novelist or a writer, you don't go on 200 city tours around the United States. It'll never happen. I will never be able to hit multiple cities in Florida as much as I would like to do it. So they are kind of rare events. And, um, you know, we're, we're doing our best to try to get out, you know, into different, you know, smaller cities. Uh, but I, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a sense in the world that, like, other sort of performing artists like like rock musicians or pop stars or whatnot that there's there there's just there's just not that kind of touring um that's possible for writers yeah do you ever i've seen this happen with other writers well where they will read uh certain parts of books on the road and they'll sort of find different ways to like oh i could have said that better and they'll actually be editing material from an already published book and i'm curious if if you ever do that at all when you're reading material on the road 
No, I don't actually. I think it's, uh, I mean, my father was a filmmaker. He worked a lot with actors and, um, he was the, at the end of his life, he was the head of the, of USC theater school. And, you know, back in the fifties, he was, he was involved with actor studio and whatnot. So he, he often talked about performing and, you know, the life of an actor and the, and, and an actor's relationship to text. So as soon as I become, as soon as I read my work, uh, at a bookstore, even though it's not really a performance, it's, it's, I mean, I guess it's kind of a performance, but it's, I mean, my father would never have called it a performance because he, the, he said, always said the performance starts when you're off book. You can't, you can't hide your eyes from the audience. You know, you should, you should have it memorized and that's when you begin to really soar. Um, but at the same time, it sort of, it becomes a challenge for me of, 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 of finding the voice of the text. Um, and that's always a great deal of fun. I, I mean, I feel like those authors who are constantly rewriting their work on the road is a kind of hell, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's yeah. not. It would seem like a hell to me. I mean, when I'm finished a book, I'm finished with it. And it represents who I was and how I was writing and, you know, um, there's really nothing I, I can do about that. Yeah. You know, with the familiar series, you're dealing with so many characters, so many voices. You talked a little about it earlier. Uh, people write for many reasons. And because you're, you're writing through so many different perspectives, th uh, different lifestyles, I'm curious, where it, where do you sort of place yourself in the work? What would you say your journey of self is throughout this series? Oh, such a good question. Never even been asked that question. It's really nice. It's, it's beautiful. It's insightful. You know, it's, if I were to break it down, I would say that I am, I am a writer who is on a journey. I think I, in fairness, I think most writers are on journeys, but what I mean by that is that there are writers who find their thing and it's not so much about their journey, but it's about just fulfilling certain entertainment quotients for a certain kind of genre, right? So they tend to stay in that genre and they, they, their fiction is kind of repetitive and it, it has growth in a different way. Um, but, but if you look at it, you can sort of see that House of Leaves is very much a family drama. It's, you know, there's a, there's, there's a, there's the old man Zampano, there's, there's Pelafina in the, in the madhouse, there's Johnny Truant, you know, and it's, they're all clustered in this house. And, um, in some ways it's, it's typical of a first novel from a young man. You know, it, it's, it's very, it's, it's interrogating the self, um, in a way that's, uh, I don't think terribly un unexpected. Only Revolutions becomes a different story in that it, 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 it's getting outside of the house. There literally are no homes in it. It's getting away sort of from familial lines and parental lines. And so the journey is, it's, it's, you know, it's a figurative ego trip of these two 16 year olds who are on this, you know, rampage across the, the United States. Um, 
But at the same time, it's kind of about dissolving that ego, letting, you know, it's a it's a critique of the ego as much as it is finally of, 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 of moving beyond the ego. And and this certainly sort of maps where I was in my life, beginning to understand even the egotism of the writer and realizing I, I will never write a book like that again. And um, the familiar then is is again this this much this much more global open you know experience that for me is as much as i predetermined what it is and where it's going is also open to the vicissitudes of of what life offers and you know i don't i don't want to hold myself up as an example i, I mean I, I prefer to to sort of you know, get out of the way of my books. I look at my books as very much like my children. And, and, you know, there's a certain, there, there's a, you know, there's a certain, to a certain degree, you know, your kids want to introduce you to the, to the folks that they're hanging out with, but to a larger degree, they just want you to get out of the way, you know? And, and so people have very intimate relations with House of Leaves and, and Only Revolutions. I'm starting to see signs of that with the familiar. So I want to sort of step away. But I have to say personally that, that this, this commitment to this work, which is an enormous amount of work, does seem to, to, to offer fruits. You know, I'm, I'm old, I'm 51, um, about to be, but I got married in September and I wasn't sure that was going to be possible. In fact, there were many times in, in my life where I thought, you know, that that kind of, of domestic happiness was just not for me. But I don't think I would have found it and I wouldn't have found her had I not been writing these books. And I feel in some ways those kind of things are enacted for a reader. Um, granted, it's not it's not as, as, as grave a cost, but I feel that that those readers who are on this journey with me are also experiencing, you know, changes, which I like to think are are beneficial in their lives. Nice. You know, what you just talk about there, I, I think that's such a beautiful note to end this show on, that discovery of love, global openness, the beauty of what life has to offer. I, I really couldn't top that with any other questions or anything, and I'm, I'm just going to let that linger in the air because it was, it was so beautiful. And by the way, congratulations on your marriage. Thank you very much. Uh, with me today has been Mark Z. Danielewski. Uh, Mark, thank you so, so much for your time. Uh, continued success with your work, the familiar series, and, and everything else in your life. Thank you so much. All the best. All the best. I've been speaking with Mark Z. Danielewski, author most recently of the familiar series, and I'm Rich Ferguson, and you've been listening to Poetoscape. Poetoscape.